Good morning to you guys. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here with all of you, all your smiling faces. It's Christmas time almost. Are you guys excited? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, well, um, my name is Nikki. Like I said, I grew up in Eugene. I was born in Montana in a little town called Clancy. When I was five years old, we moved over here to Eugene. Um, I went to Sheldon High School. Any Sheldon High School graduates in here? No one? Okay, so two people. Woo! That's awesome. Go Irish. Um, but, you know, we're not here to talk about Sheldon High School. We're talk- talking about the Ducks today, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to talk about at church? You know, Joy Church, Joy church we're always talking about go Ducks. Smells like roses. You guys smell that? It smells beautiful like roses. Yeah, so Ducks are going to the Rose Bowl. Excited about that, but that's beyond the point. So today we are talking about the Christmas story. How many of you guys love the Christmas story? I love the Christmas story. Um, I'm not going to lie, sometimes I'm a little bit of a Grinch when it comes to Christmas coming in October. In October, when Hobby Lobby is starting to put Christmas trees up in their entryway, I'm a little bit like, wait a second, <laughs> I, need, I need Halloween first, and then we need Thanksgiving, and then we can do Christmas. Anyone else like that with me? Okay, yeah. but the birth of Jesus is something that we can talk about year-round, that I'm excited about year-round, and now that it's December, we can talk about it on Sunday morning with an awesome slide like this. And so guess what? This is a new series called The Christmas Story, and we're telling the Christmas story from a different perspective, from different characters. So this week, I chose to talk about Mary, because I actually identify a lot with Mary. Mary called herself a lowly servant girl. How many of you guys feel sometimes like a lowly servant girl? I'm like, you know what? I'm not that special. I'm from Clancy, Montana. I'm just kind of like little old me, right? Well, she grew up in Nazareth, which is kind of a town, podunk town, nothing really that special about it. But, but you know what? God used her life in an incredible way. And um, lately at Joy Church, we've been talking about this, uh, this last series was called Bigger. How many of you guys are here for Bigger? It was an awesome series, and we talked about bigger faith, bigger vision. We have a bigger God than a lot of times that we realize. And so Jake introduced this topic of GSV, stands for God-Sized Vision, God-sized vision. God has a God-sized vision for every single one of us, no matter who you are, where you came from, how you see yourself. If you're like, I'm just little Nikki from Clancy, Montana, or you're like, I'm James from New York, it doesn't matter. God has a call on every one of our lives. And so we find ourselves here at the Christmas story. Our big God came down and became small to live among us, experiencing what we experience, yet lived without sin. He was crucified and he died in our place. He took the penalty of our sins upon himself and then he rose again to life, conquering death so that we could have eternal life. And that magnificent story, it begins in Nazareth with a little girl, I guess you could say about a 14-year-old girl named Mary saying yes to God. When God calls us to him, we're saying yes to him. And we're saying yes with all of our lives right? God came to Mary, and he gave her a GSV, a God-sized vision. You know, she was going about her business a normal day, and then this angel Gabriel appeared to her and said, Mary, and gave her this amazing call. So let's read uh, quickly Matthew 1, 18 through 25. We're going to read an overview of the story of Christmas, and then we're going to jump into that moment when that angel came. So Matthew 1, 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationship, relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. You know, God called Mary on this incredible mission to be the mother of Jesus, to be the first to walk on the earth with Emmanuel, God with us. And we are also all called on a mission to live with Emmanuel, God with us. That's something that all of us have in common with Mary in this story. So we're going to look at the story of Christmas from Mary's perspective and get some tips out of it and some life lessons out of it. How can we respond when God calls us to his mission? How can we respond to it? And this first one starts here. This point one is respond to God with a blank check attitude. We see Mary's response here as this angel, Gabriel. I don't know what angels look like, except for when I look in the mirror, then I'm like, oh, that's what it looks like. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man, that was really vain. It's not true at all. I'm like, take the mirror down. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so I don't know what angels look like, but Gabriel, he, he, he shows up in Mary, and she's like, what is this? And stunned, and he greets her. He says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And most 14-year-old girls would probably respond exactly like her, which is disturbed. She was like, what? I know it's a funny word, disturbed. Uh, but Mary said the Bible says that Mary was disturbed and wondered, what kind of greeting could this be? This is, I've never heard that before, greetings favored woman. And then the angel says, don't be afraid. And he tells her what's going to happen. Basically that God's going to come and you're going to be, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You're going to be pregnant with Jesus, the Savior of the world. And at this time, the Jews, they were waiting for a Savior. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the Savior to come, restore Israel, and be, be their king and all of this. So they've been waiting for a Savior. And so she's like, whoa, you know, this is a God-sized vision. This is a big mission you're calling me to. And I'm just a lowly servant girl. And what is her response? She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And so this first point being, you know, receive God's, God's call with a blank check attitude. You know, I've been driving around recently, and for whatever reason, I've just been saying, you know, thinking about my life and all the different, you know, parts of my life that I want to take control of. But I feel like God's asking me to give up to him. And I've just been saying, blank check, God, blank check. Now, how, how many of you guys have ever written a blank check? Probably not very many. Yeah, I mean, it's just not a really a wise thing to do, to write out a blank check. It's kind of like, no, don't do that. In fact, I have my checkbooks. I, I'm a really old-fashioned person. <laughs> I'm like, I don't trust the Internet. So I'm like, <laughs> I got a checkbook. And, and so I carry my checkbook with me, and I was sitting here last, I think it was last Sunday, and one of the middle school girls that I work with was like, ooh, can I have one? And I'm like, ooh, no, definitely not. <laughs> Stay back. And I was like, scoot a seat away. Because I'm protective over my money. Because it, 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 I don't know, this is like a big part of your life, right? But um, <laughs> it really is. 
But God asks us, and, and this is Mary's example, to have a blank check attitude. And I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your life. That God would be able to just come to you and say, hey, this is the God-sized vision I have for you. Or in this moment, you're driving down the street and God puts something on your mind to do. And I want you to have a blank check attitude that says, yeah, you can have it all. And so I actually, I, I filled out a blank check. Um, and I just wanted to give it to some lucky person in the audience who wants it. Yeah, you do? Okay. Um, actually, too bad, because I already wrote God's name on it. And it says, pay to the order of God. And then a long line to make sure no one adds anything to it. Um, how many of you guys, when you're filling out the dollars, you're like, and 99 cents, making it take as much room so no one can add anything to it? I don't know. That's just me, maybe. But And then it says, you know, I signed my name on it. And it says, for, and I had to put what is for. And I wrote, your will, <laughs> everything, you know, whatever you want to do, God. And this is kind of cheesy, right? It's kind of cheesy. But honestly, as I'm writing out this blank check, it's really, I was like, wow, God, yes, that really is what you ask us to do with our lives, to say, God, do whatever you want. And I guarantee you, Mary, if she was standing with us here, like 1,000, no, 2,005 years old, I don't know, 2,000 something years old, she's old right now. If she was standing with us, I guarantee you, she wouldn't go, man, I really wish I would have just held back a little. I really wish I would have doubted God and said, nah, I think I'll just have my own natural children. I don't want to have the Savior. I really doubt that. I don't think any of us would say, yeah, Mary probably regretted that decision. It was actually a, a, a prophet that when, Jesus, when she brought baby Jesus to the temple, who said, you know, he prophesied over what Jesus was and what he would do, but then he said, and Mary, a sword will pierce your heart. What he's saying is, this Jesus is going to die and it's going to be hard. You know, in our, in our God-sized vision, sometimes in life, when we say yes to God, sometimes it's really hard in the end. Sometimes things die. Sometimes it's tough, right? But she said yes. And so that's my challenge to us today for our first, our first lesson that we learned from Mary is yes, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you said about me come true and not asking, what's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me, God? No. And the key to this is we hear what the angel says. Do you guys remember what he said? He said, don't be afraid. And I have to tell myself that all the time. Don't be afraid, Nikki. You know, even getting up here to speak. Don't be afraid, Nikki. This is, this is what I've opened up the door for you to do. Don't be afraid. Now, for you, it might be totally different. I don't know if you're going to get the opportunity to speak in front of a bunch of people, but don't be afraid. If it's talking to that barista, don't be afraid. If it's, you know, my, my roommate's super awesome, and she just spent hundreds of dollars putting together packages for people, and she drives around during Christmas time, and she drops them off for random strangers and just says, you know, Jesus loves you. hope this helps you in your life. She looks for people that maybe are in need, and she said yes. She responded. She put, she put her, her God-sized vision to action, right? And it doesn't always have to be this huge thing, but it's these day-to-day -day moments that we say yes to. You know, when God comes to you and he says, hey, can I have that? Is your response just like Mary's? Like, yep, Blank check, God. Blank check. Yep, I'll do it. We have to come into it with that, with that attitude, right? Okay, so the second thing is, here we go. It's a regard your mission in life as holy. Regard your mission in life as holy is our point two. And maybe some of you guys are like, regard your mission in life and holy. What does that mean for me? Well, if we put it in the context of Mary, it's super easy to see how her mission was holy, right? because she was the mother of God. So you're like, oh, duh. I know how to use the word holy in that context, right? Well, holy simply means set apart. It means set apart or consecrated to God or fit for God to use, right? Well, Mary, she 
She lived her life set apart and holy, and God was able to use her. It says in um, for, in 2 Timothy 2.21, If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Mary was somebody that was set apart for God to use her for a good work. And... Um, we see this in Luke 1, 39 through 41. We can put it up there. It says, a few days later, oh, actually, that's not up there. I'm just going to read it to you. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believed that what the Lord would do, that the Lord would do what he said. You know, I'm coming here and I'm saying, and maybe you guys have heard this before, that God has a vision for your life, that God has a plan for your life. We see it every Sunday when we come up here and look it says, you were made on purpose and for a purpose. Do you truly believe that? Like, do you believe that God has called you to something greater than just kind of waking up and going to work and making dinner and going back to sleep and then repeat? I believe that God made you for more. Yeah, I believe that God made me for more. And so I am responsible for how I respond to that with my life. And in two different ways. One would be outwardly, just like Mary, she took actual steps. It says after two days after getting this message from the angel, two days later, it says she hurried off to go to Elizabeth's house. She's putting into action this God-sized vision that she was given, right? And she's actually believing it over her life. So we have to believe it and put it into action. And the second thing is that we have to put into action inwardly in our hearts, talking about holiness and purity in our hearts and what we allow into our minds. So when I was in high school, I was like, I really want to be in ministry. I really want to, I really want to build the church. I love people. I love, you know, just talking about the Bible. I love encouraging people in the word. And I just really felt like there was this call on my life. But I actually, I would, <laughs> I, I debated whether I should say this or not, but I used to tell a lot of dirty jokes, okay? <laughs> you guys don't believe that, but it's true. I used to, you know, I had this friend group and I knew exactly how I could get everybody to laugh. I was like, if I say that, they're all going to laugh. And I'd be at church joy group. It was like basically joy group. And I'd be like, think of something. Oh, that'd be funny. Perfect context. Say it. Everyone would bust up laughing. I'm the best. I'm so funny, right? But then afterwards, I just feel so bad. Like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That really wasn't honoring God. That really isn't in line with my calling. God's called me to live like this, yet I'm talking like that, right? How many of you guys can identify with that? Like, it's hard sometimes. You know, the shows that, that are out there right now, it's, it's, it's tempting to want to go, you know, dive into these shows. They're funny and they're good and everything. But, you know, a lot of times they're just kind of full of a lot of stuff we really don't need to fill our lives with. Why? Because we are called on a mission. You know, I don't think Mary, when she got the words that, yes, you're going to be the mother of Jesus, she went, ah, it doesn't matter how I live. You know, I'm fine the way I am. I think Mary probably went, oh, wow, this is serious. You know, if you're a mom in here or a dad in here, when a baby came into your life, things change, right? You're like, hey, stop using that kind of language. And you get all like, you know, you you, you clean things up and, and, you know, your life radically changes. Well, in the same way, when we get a call from God, we say yes to Jesus, our lives need to change. And sometimes that's hard to hear. 
Sometimes that's hard to hear, but my life verse in high school was Philippians 4, 8. And it was super hard for me to memorize, so I came up with a really weird acronym. It's like, makes no sense. And it's embarrassing to say, but it's like, Turner Plaw makes no sense. But it goes like this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, there's the T, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that was my filter of like, okay, I have a call in my life. God, I want to accomplish all that you've done, that, that you've said you want to do in my life. Therefore, I need to be pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Therefore, that's the stuff I'm going to let in my life. And it was really hard for a while to stop telling those jokes or stop listening to that music or stop dancing, you know, to that music or whatever it was. It was really hard at first or to say no to watching that movie with my friends and being like, sorry, you know. Um, but I'm taking it seriously. I'm regarding my mission as holy. And we are a people that are set apart, right? So that's what we have to do with our lives. Regard your mission as holy. You know, thirdly, we got to rejoice in God's plan and Jesus' presence in our lives. Rejoice in God's plan and Jesus' presence in our lives. So we have Mary here, and she just went to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is also pregnant. And Elizabeth is an old woman, actually. She's an old woman, and she's married to Zechariah, who's a priest. And Zechariah went into the temple as he's a priest, and he was fulfilling his priestly duty for that time. And an angel came. Might have been Gabriel. I don't know. An angel came and appeared to him and said, Zechariah. And he basically told him that your wife is going to be pregnant with a baby. You're going to name him John. He's going to be John the Baptist. And he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah, for the Savior to come, right? And so he was like, whoa. Okay, so Elizabeth actually does get pregnant. And so she's really excited. But she's this old woman. Everyone used to call her barren because it was like, your time's over. You're not going to end up getting, you're not going to have any kids. But God did a miracle in Elizabeth with John the Baptist. So Mary is visiting her right now. So these two girls are in this GSV together, right? And I already read it, but Elizabeth kind of was like, wow, who are, you're, you're amazing, you're favored, all this stuff. I'm so happy that you're visiting me. And Mary's response is this. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for me. And she continues on for verses and verses and verses, just singing about how good God is. It probably sounded a lot different than how I said it. It was probably like, I won't yell in your ears. So I was going to do it. I was like, oh, how my soul re rejoices. How my soul praises the Lord. She's so excited. She's so ecstatic because God's doing something amazing through her. So two things here for us, like these regular people sitting in, you know, Regal Valley River theaters, like we're just regular people. You know what? We can all rejoice that God has seen us, that he chooses us, just like Mary did. You know, she recognized, I'm nothing that special. I'm just your lowly servant girl, is what she said over and over. But yet, God, you saw me? You saw me just like sweeping in my house and being obedient to my mom? You saw me doing the dishes and, and, and taking care of my house? You saw me going out and getting water? You saw me, you saw me there and you chose me? You know what? God sees you where you're at. He sees you, you know, getting your oil changed and being a good steward of your car. He sees you, you know, changing diapers on your kids. He sees you going and, you know, talking to your neighbor and 
and being nice to them. God sees you, and God has a vision for your life. God has a mission for your life. We're living it right now. And so we can rejoice in that. That's actually something to rejoice about. God, can't believe you'd call me, you know, to Joy Church to be able to speak to you guys. I'm excited about that. I can't believe, God, that you'd call me to go to Mexico on a mission trip and paint little, you know, little faces and, and smile at them and, and hope that they had a better day. God, I'm so thankful that you've called me to Hamlin Middle School where I can be a light to the students, hopefully, you know, not get too, ma too mad at too many of them, but, but smile at them the next day and, and love them and, you know, encourage them when they're having a hard day. I can sit down and say, hey, you know what? You're loved. And I get to have those interactions. God, thank you for calling me. Thank you for getting the message to me so I can get it through me. How many of you guys, are, how many of you guys can rejoice in that? You are called. God can get this message through you. And then secondly, she rejoices in the message that she's bringing to the people through Jesus, right? She's the vessel that God's using to bring an awesome message. And we can get excited about that awesome message that Jesus came, that he's coming, that he, that he died, that all of this stuff, we can rejoice about it in the next track. If you, if you haven't taken it, you should take it. It says, take the next track, next step with Jesus. And that's talking about the next track. And the next track is an awesome thing that we do every single month. And it cycles through four weeks. And on the fourth week, you learn about um, what God's heart is for relationship. And you learn how to disciple people. And you learn how to be a disciple and all of that. And one of the things it talks about is kind of, kind of what happened in our world. What happened in our world is that, you know, we were... God made man, and we didn't have sin. We had perfect relationship with God. But then God gave us free will to choose him or to not choose him, right? And only, only real, true love has a choice. Jake always talks about it. If I made Bethany marry me, then that wouldn't be true love, right? She wouldn't have had a choice. So God gave man a choice. He gave us a choice, and we chose sin. We chose to rebel against him. And so this broke the, re the, the relationship. So sin broke the relationship. But then God had a plan. And that plan was Jesus, and, and that, that the relationship would be, um, that it would be redeemed, that God would redeem that relationship. And then lastly, it's our job now to reconcile people back to God. So we carry this awesome message about Jesus, and we get to bring that into our workplaces and into our home and into different, wherever we go, we get to carry that with us, and it's good news of great joy, said the angels to the shepherds, right? Good news of great joy. So we can rejoice in those two things. Um, 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9 says this, says, you love him even though you have never seen him. This is written to people that were, that had never met Jesus. You love him even though you've never seen him, kind of like us. Though you do not see him, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. We get to rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And, you know, things, you know, sometimes it's hard to just be like, okay, she says rejoice. How am I going to actually practically do that? Well, honestly, this is what I do. And, you know, it's kind of silly, but I'll close my door. And I'll blast up some happy worship music. There's some Jonathan Stockstill from the 90s or 2000s. There's a new album out that's really good by, I think it's called Maverick Worship. And it's amazing. And it just gets you so excited. You're like, God's so good. You know, rejoice in God. Rejoice in the message. Allow yourself to worship. Dance on it. Sing on it. Just soak your life in rejoicing in the message of Jesus. All right, then lastly, this last thing I think that we can learn from the life of Mary. You know, if she were here today... I think she would say, you know, it was really hard, but God, he, 
God got the glory through it all. He redeemed every single part of that story, the Christmas story that was tough for me to trust. It was tough for me to keep going. God redeemed it, and God got all the glory through it. So recognize that every part of your life can bring glory to God. Recognize that every part of your life can bring glory to God. And what am I talking about here? I'm talking about the times when you're just like tired and disappointed, or you feel like, God, I thought that you had this amazing vision for my life, but it doesn't seem like it's actually happening. God, you said for me to do this, and I did it, but then look what happened. Well, how does this look in the life of Mary? Well, she said yes, so the Holy Spirit, she's, now she's pregnant, and she's engaged. And Joseph's like, that's not my baby. So whose is it, right? And she's like, God. And he's like, mm-hmm. Right, right. How many people are going to believe that? God. Um, but in God's mercy and God's grace, an angel came to Joseph and said, hey, this is actually true. She's telling the truth and explained everything. He's like, all right. And they got off Mari. Mari canceled the show. They weren't going to be on there anymore. I'm just kidding. You guys, <laughs> Dr. Phil. Um, okay, so anyways, that would have been a bad Dr. Phil episode. It would have been fun. But okay, so, so Joseph is like, all right. So now, so that was a crazy situation, but God redeemed it, right? Well, now they're on their way from Nazareth, this tiny little podunk town, to Bethlehem. And she's super pregnant. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a pregnant woman, I would not be down with sitting on a donkey for 70 miles going to Bethlehem. And I'd be like, God, could you have timed this differently? Could you have timed this differently? You know, like you called me to do this, and then all of a sudden things look like they're not going right. And I don't get to be with my mom when I have my baby, and I don't get to be with my sister, my family, and Elizabeth, and all this stuff. I'm like, God, this is hard. This life that you called me to is hard. Well, sometimes the life that we have is hard. And following God sometimes is hard. But God's in every single moment. So they get to Bethlehem, and there's no room for them. So I'm just thinking, like, you know, if I arrive to my relative's house for a census, because I think Joseph probably had some family there, and the Bible says there's no room there. It's like, that means there were people there who could have moved for the pregnant lady. Am I right? Like, come on, she's pregnant. Can you not make some space? But they weren't even welcomed. Now, I don't know. For me, sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm a, I, I got this vision on my life. I got, I, I'm trying to do all that God has called me to. But sometimes it just seems like no one cares. Or like, you know, it might seem like no one notices what you're doing. It might seem like I set up every single morning, every single Sunday, and I tear down every single Sunday. But it just doesn't seem like it matters. Like, you know what I mean? But God, it matters. God provided a place for them. And it might have been a stable but God provided a place for them, right? And then it's like, okay, then I have this Jesus, and I'm, God, you've called me to have this baby, and then, and then they don't even have a place to lay him. And there's no, there's no place to lay him, and so they lay him in a manger. There's a, there's a picture of a manger right there. Like, there's, it looks like there's some grass in it, and it's like, honestly, I'm a little bit of a nerd sometimes, so I, I study things out, and at first, you know, last year, everyone was like, oh, it wasn't in a stable with donkeys and cows. It was actually in a cave. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And then this year I was studying it, and it's like, it's not actually a manger with hay. They didn't do that. It's actually a big limestone where they put water. It doesn't matter. Either way, like, Jesus was laid in an unconventional place where animals used it. You know what I mean? But you know what? You know, sometimes in our life we think our, our life's going to look so grand. It's going to look so awesome. It's like this glamorous thing. But really... Our Savior is a humble Jesus, a humble Savior. And God has a humble mission for us. 
It doesn't always look glamorous and awesome and all this attention and all this, you know, things. You know, when we're serving God, sometimes it looks like putting the baby in a manger. You know, God has a plan for our lives, and we might think, God, I'm just not enough for you. You call me to be the mother of Jesus, but yet I don't even have a place. I'm just putting you in a manger. Well, sometimes I feel like that on my life. I'm like, God, you know, what I'm doing isn't enough. But God would say to you, you're enough. You know, all you might have is a manger, but you're enough. All you might have is just your living room, but you're enough. You can invite people into your living room and have a joy group. All you might have is just like an old old ch- ch- like car, but God can use you to go pick up people for church or whatever, right? You know, there's no limit to what God can do in your life and use you for. Um, so then from there, the first people that come to visit are just stinky, dirty shepherds. Her first people, not her mom, not her, these comfortable relatives that she might have wanted to come visit, but it's shepherds, right? But God provided people to rejoice with her. And actually, it was really incredible. They were in a field, and these angels came down and started singing, glory, glory in the highest, or, you know, and, and they started saying, hey, shepherds, a Savior's born. We're bringing good news of great joy, and there's going to be a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger. And they arrive, and there she is. They find Mary, and they're like, no way, there really is a baby in a manger of all places. And she's like, hey, I know. Don't, don't, don't point it out. And they're like, well, it's strange, but it's crazy. We actually found you. We found this. And they rejoice together. It's like, wow, God's plan is so good. And, you know, um, it doesn't always make sense, you know, the people that God brings into our life. And sometimes we, we're like, I don't know, God. But God has a purpose for it. God has a purpose for every single part of our journey. And then the next thing that happens is um, there's a king back home, and he decides Jesus, I don't have room in this world for another king. I'm the only king. And I heard that Jesus is the king of the Jews. So I'm going to go and I'm going to kill all the babies up to two years old. Now that's tragic. That's tragic. I'm going to kill all the babies up to two years old that were born in Bethlehem so I can get rid of this king that I heard is coming. That's really tragic. Well, Sometimes in our life, there's tragic things that happen. We don't understand how God's a part of the process, right? We don't understand how God's in it. We're like, God, are you really good? If this is happening, my, my son or my daughter is going through this horrible illness or my, you know, someone I love is going through this horrible illness. God, are you really good? Are you really in this? Well, God was with her even in that moment. In the middle of the night, Joseph had a dream that, that, that they needed to get away. And so in the middle of the night, they're fleeing out of, Nazareth, or out of uh, Bethlehem, and they go to Egypt. So now they're refugees. And I was telling first service, I have a student that I work with, and he, he had to flee from his country because there was so much violence there. He tells me story after story after story about you know, gunshots and his family members that have died from the cartel and all of this stuff. He's just telling me all these stories, and, and I'm just looking at him like, God, here's this little boy, like 11 years old, fleeing from his country and all that he knows and he's not he doesn't know his he hasn't been he hasn't seen his mom in a year because they had to leave his he calls it my mommy mommy he talks about his mommy right and it's just like god like you know sometimes life is hard right sometimes the journey of life takes unexpected turns that we don't even see but the reality is is that god is with us emmanuel god with us he's with us in every single part of it and god redeemed that situation by giving them a place to be in Egypt. And then from there, they left, right? 
and they were headed back to Israel, and then Joseph had another dream. Herod Jr. is in charge. And you're like, no, how can there be another twist in this journey? God, how can there just be another thing in my life going wrong or, or just unexpected? And instead, they go back to Nazareth. They go back home. You know, home isn't a very exciting place to be. Um, and Nazareth was one of those places that nobody thought the Savior of the world would come out of Nazareth. And if I were Mary, I might be thinking, God, are you sure this was you? Are you sure he's the Savior of the world? Like, Jesus, when he called one of his disciples, the, the guy, he said, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You're, you're saying the Savior of the world is, is, is from Nazareth? Because it was totally unexpected. But as we look at this story, and I won't say it again, but God redeemed every single situation. He knew it ahead of time. If you read the Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecies. There was a prophecy that Jesus would be born in Nazareth, that he'd be from, or sorry, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that he would come out of Egypt, that he would be from, born, uh, raised in Nazareth, that he would be from Nazareth. That's pretty incredible, right? Maybe at the time, Mary couldn't see all that. She couldn't connect all the dots, but God was using her because she was being faithful. You know, realize, recognize that God can use every single part of your story, that he knows the beginning from the end. And he's good in all of it. He's with us in all of it, and you can trust him. You know, um, at the end of the Christmas story, the hero wasn't Mary. It wasn't Mary. At the end of the Christmas story, we see Jesus dying on the cross. The hero was Jesus. You know, we're not the heroes he is, and, and what we are called to do is live our life with Emmanuel, God with us, and, and know that he gets all the glory for a crazy life lived in obedience and in relationship with him. So just as a review, you know, we need to regard um, our mission as holy and live set apart and live holy. We need to give God a blank check and say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, it's going to be good. Mary did not regret one moment. Not one moment, because a life lived for God is, is the best thing. And then rejoice in God's plan and, and Jesus' presence in your life and in that message that God's getting through you and the fact that God notices you and sees you wherever you're at. And he knows exactly what number is on the bottom of your chair. And he sees where you're at and he wants to use you. That's something to rejoice in. And we need to recognize that every part of our life can bring glory to God. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. Now, maybe you're in here and you're going, wow, like I didn't know that God had a plan for my life. I thought maybe God had a plan for Pastor Jake's life or Billy Graham's life or Beth Moore's life, but I didn't know that God had a plan for my life. You know what? God calls each and every single one of us in this room. And like I said earlier, you know, some of us have responded to that call and some of us haven't. But today is the day that you can write your name on that check and say, Jesus, I give you everything. And on every check, there's a spot where it says date. And today could be the day. Today could be the day, you know, December 8th, 2019, when you said, Jesus, I think I believe in you. I think, I think you really are the Savior of the world. I want to do life with Emmanuel, God with us. You know, life's going to have ups and downs no matter who you are, no matter where you are. It's going to have twists and turns. It's going to be unexpected. But when we choose to do life with God, there's rejoicing in every moment. There's purpose in every moment. 
And so if that's you today, you know, we're going to pray a prayer of kind of surrender, of kind of, God, I want to give my life to you. Jesus, I really, truly believe that, that you're the Savior of the world. And we can all pray it together. But if that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus, we're going to pray. So uh, let's have everyone close their eyes. And, and, and uh, if that's you, would you raise your hand so I can see where you're at? That's awesome. That's awesome, awesome, awesome. Super exciting. All right, let's all pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for seeing where I'm at. Thank you for living as a man, perfectly, dying in my place, rising again. I choose you as my Savior, the Lord of my life. I trust you with my life. Amen.